Well, again, welcome to Wilshire today. It's good to be together. Glad that you're here. We have a lot of people still out sick, a lot of things going on, so please continue praying for all the folks you see in your bulletin that you know of. Um, Jim and Yodi are out of town. I think Yodi has returned, but Jim is traveling. He's away today. Um, So lots of people out and about, sick, recovering, and yes, give thanks to God for the recoveries. We are glad uh, to have people who've made it through and are uh, doing better. I was blessed yesterday to go do a bit of mission work in Texas. You know, they need the gospel there. And uh, I even said that during one of my presentations. I think it offended one of them. But it was a, it was a, it was a, uh, a seminar for church leaders leading the church during traumatic times. And as you might imagine, it was there were elders and ministers there. People were teaching classes, just worn out. Anybody worn out? You're just tired. Now, they were also very encouraged, and there was a lot of energy and a lot of neat things, but you could see it on people's faces. They're just tired. They're tired of the pandemic. They're tired of being unable to make plans, and they're tired of people getting upset when you make a decision you sincerely think is best. Just tired of it. I'm tired of it. You tired of it? I'm tired of it. And part of my presentation was about uh, what we should be preaching, how you preach in a moment like this. And and I really tried to make the point talking to to those guys that that now is not the time to get up in pulpits and talk about our doubts. Now is a time to stand up and preach what we know to be true. And I tried to take them that word of encouragement. And then one guy, we, we did a panel discussion, me and two other guys who I really respect. Guy says, okay, so you say that, what are you preaching in the morning? <laughs> it's a good thing I know. I said, here's what I'm preaching tomorrow morning. We know that Jesus is coming back. We've been talking about the story of Jesus over the last few months, and today is kind of the official close of the series. And this is the message, he's coming back. That is an important part of the story of Jesus. It's not a part we talk about sometimes, it's one we kind of even maybe distance ourselves from, but... But as Tony read this morning in Acts, he's coming back. And that may sound weird to people who don't believe in Jesus, who who don't read the New Testament, who aren't Christians, that you're, you're sitting around waiting for someone to come back out of the heavens. Yeah, we are. Because it's part of the story. We've talked about his virgin birth. We've talked about his words about the kingdom, we've talked about his miracles, we've talked how he's sitting at the right hand of God. And you you can't tell the story of Jesus without telling people that he's coming back. 
And that's where the book of Acts opens. It's really kind of interesting because Acts 1 starts the beginning of a book in a way that sounds like the end of a book. For 50 days, Jesus has come and gone, tells his disciples, I want you to go to Jerusalem and wait. You're going to receive power from on high. I want you to go out and take the gospel. The disciples say, oh, is now the time that you're going to start the kingdom? He says, it's not for you to know. And then he leaves. Luke says he ascends into heaven. He ascends in the clouds. And the disciples who have been with him for three years are just staring. Luke says he's come and gone in the past 50 days, but this time it feels different because they're just staring into the clouds. So much so that, that an angel, angels play a big role in Luke, an angel says, what are you staring at? He's coming back. Now I just wonder if the disciples were still just totally confused. Pretty sure they are. Because on the one hand, you think, well, they should know he's coming back. He tried to tell them, I'm coming back. John 14. Remember that text from funerals. Don't let your heart be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house, there are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place, what else? I'm coming back. He tried to tell them. But you can almost forgive them a little bit for, for forgetting about that. Because after all, it's been a pretty eventful 50 days. I mean, they went into Jerusalem with him. They thought this is the moment the kingdom was going to come. He's going to reestablish the power and sit on the throne. And then, and then Judas betrays him. The Romans arrest him. The Jews try him, kick him over to the Romans who condemn him. And all of a sudden, they watch Jesus die. And then three days later, the women come and say, we've seen him. He's risen. And Luke says for a few days after that, Jesus appears. One time they're in an upper room. They're, they're scared to death. They're behind locked doors. And Jesus walks into the room. Eight days later, John says he does it again. He, he appears when he's beside, when they're out fishing and they look and on the shoreline, Jesus is there. He's cooked breakfast for them. They don't know when he's coming. They don't know where he's coming. They, they just, everywhere they look, Jesus shows up again. But this time in Acts chapter 1, he leaves in a way they haven't seen him leave before and they're staring. And the angel says, you know, he's coming back. Not only are they confused, I suspect they may be a bit overwhelmed. Because the last thing Jesus says to them is, I want you to, take, to be my witnesses of everything you've seen. And I want you to start here in Jerusalem. And I want you to witness of me in Jerusalem. Then I want you to go to Judea. And then I want you to go to Samaria. A place where Jews don't go. And then I want you to go to the farthest flung places of the earth. You got that? 
Be my witnesses, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the uttermost parts of the earth. You good with that? I'm leaving. (laughs) Can you blame the apostles for thinking, where are you going? And it's in that moment, as they're staring off into the clouds, that the angels speak into what's probably their confusion and the sense of being overwhelmed, and they say, he's coming back. The story isn't over. In some senses, it's only getting started now. And what I want you to see this morning is it's that belief that Jesus is coming back that shaped everything the early church said and did. As you watch the book of Acts unfold and you watch the story of the early church unfold, they're going to do some crazy things sometimes. They're going to do things that people around them think make no sense, that's dangerous. And if you want to know why they do this, it goes back to those angels' words, because he's coming back, that's why. Because when you believe that Jesus is coming back, it changes everything. So I want you to see this. Jesus' return explains this sense of courage and urgency that our brothers and sisters in the first century had. The story of this farmer who he looked, out his, looked at his back door and he saw in his barn three men who were clearly robbing him. And he called the police and the dispatcher said, I'm sorry, we don't have anyone to respond at the moment. So the farmer watched, and for five, ten more minutes, they just kept loading stuff out of his barn, and he calls, and the dispatcher says, have they tried to get in your house? He says, well, they're not done with my barn yet. And she says, well, we don't have anyone to respond. And he watched this happen, five, ten more minutes, and he called the police again, and he says, Don't worry, I've taken care of this situation. Well, now the dispatcher panics, and she dispatches some officers, and she dispatches an ambulance, and they get there. And when they get there, they see the men robbing the guy, and they arrest him. And the cop says to the farmer, I thought you said you took care of this. We thought you shot them. And the farmer said, I thought you said no one was available. That sense of urgency that happens in life helps clarify what's going on. And what you find in the book of Acts chapter 1 is this sense of urgency. Jesus is coming back. We don't have time to sit around and do nothing. We don't have time to sit around and feel sorry about ourselves. We don't have time to sit around and hide. We don't have time to sit down and watch life pass us by. Jesus said, I want you to go be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the uttermost parts of the earth, and I'm coming back. And I wonder if that made the disciples remember the stories they had heard Jesus tell. Matthew 25. There's a a bridegroom, he goes away. There are ten virgins, they're waiting for him to show up. Five bring enough oil, five don't bring enough oil. The guy waits till midnight. We don't know what took him so long. He didn't ask for directions or who knows what. But when he finally gets there, they announce the bridegroom is coming. Five of the ladies say, we're ready. They get their lamps ready. Five of them say, well, we didn't bring enough oil. And while they're out trying to find oil, 
the bridegroom comes, the banquet starts, and they're left out. They weren't ready. And Jesus says in Matthew 25, Watch and wait. Be ready. The second story he told in Matthew 25 is a, the landowner who leaves town. You remember that one? He, gives, he, gives, he calls his servants. He says, I'm going to give you five talents. I'm going to give you two talents. I'm going to give you one talent. He leaves town. The five-talent man, five man goes out and he works hard and he invests and he comes back with ten. The two-talent guy works hard and invests, comes back with four. The one-talent guy says, I don't want to risk it. And he buries it. When the master comes back, he says, why did you do nothing? You knew I was coming back. And I just wonder there in Acts chapter 1 when Jesus says, be my witnesses, go into the world, I'm coming back. If the disciples said, you know, I remember him talking about this once. And so Acts chapter 2 starts, and they, or Acts chapter 1, they replace Judas. Acts chapter 2, they stand up and... They speak in front of thousands of people the story of Jesus until the gospel of Jesus. 3,000 people are baptized. Acts chapter 4, they're told, quit talking about Jesus. You're causing problems around here. And they said, you know what? There's only one name given among men whereby we must be saved, and it's the name of Jesus Christ. And we can't help but speak of the things that we have seen and heard. The, the Sanhedrin arrests them and says, you've got to quit talking about Jesus. An angel releases them and they go back to teaching and the Sanhedrin arrests them again and says, you've got to quit talking about Jesus. They said, we ought to obey God rather than men. They beat them, release them, and they go back to talking about Jesus. Why would you do that? Because Jesus is coming back. All through the book of Acts, all through the New Testament, you have this sense of urgency and courage because they believed genuinely the rest of the story that he's coming back. Remember when you meet Paul? Paul's blinded on the road to Damascus. He was Saul. He's blinded on the road to Damascus, sent to, sent to Damascus to meet a guy named Ananias. Ananias walks in and he teaches Paul the gospel and he says, what are you waiting for? I love that question. You know what to do. You know he's coming back. What are you waiting for? When you believe that Jesus is coming back, there is a sense of urgency, mission, and courage. In everything you do. Listen brothers and sisters. God did not save us to sit around. He saved us to send us out. If the only thing different in your life because of Jesus. Is that what you do with your Sunday mornings. You've missed the point. The gospel is the mission. To carry the kingdom of God wherever we go. I want you to think about this. You really believe he's coming back? I don't ask you this to make you feel guilty. I don't want to be one of those guys. When was the last time you told someone about Jesus? When was the last time you shared the story of Jesus? 
When was the last time you refused to let anybody stop you from doing what you knew to be right? Because you know he's coming back. That's Acts. That single statement as the disciples are staring off kind of confused and puzzled into the heavens. And an angel says, he's coming back. And they knew what that meant. There's work to be done. And as I was with those leaders yesterday, they were, we're all tired, we're all frustrated, we're all sick of COVID, we're all sick of everything that's happening around us, but that doesn't change the fact that Jesus is coming back. 2nd thing I want to show you this morning is that the urgency and courage of the disciples was not driven by fear. It was driven by a profound sense of hope and anticipation. Here's what I mean by that. When the, when the angels look at the disciples, they're just staring off in the space there. And they say he's coming back. Something you notice about the way the church speaks of the second coming of Jesus is different than how we typically speak of the second coming of Jesus. Now, don't get me wrong. If you're unprepared to meet Jesus, if you're living a life running away from God, if you've not given your life to Jesus Christ, if you're actively trying to destroy the work of the kingdom of God, you should be afraid. Paul said in 2 Thessalonians, to the people who were harming the church, to the people who were, who were trying to destroy the kingdom of God, he says, Jesus Christ will come and in flaming fire have vengeance on those that don't know God and who don't, know, who don't obey the gospel. But most of the time when the church talked about the second coming of Jesus, they did it with profound hope and anticipation. Here's what I want you to do this morning. I just want you to listen to several texts of the New Testament writers talking about the coming of Jesus. And I want you to listen for the hope, and I want you to listen for what they thought would happen. When you hear me or any other preacher say, Jesus is coming back, what vision comes to mind? What, what do you anticipate that meaning? I just want you to listen to these texts. Since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, through Jesus, God will bring those who have died with him. For this we declare to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and who are left at the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who have died. For the Lord himself, with the cry of a command, with the archangel's call, with the sound of God's trumpet, will descend from heaven, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain will be caught up in the clouds together to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will get to be with the Lord forever. Does that sound like fear to you? Or does that sound like hope? Romans 8. I consider that the suffering of the present time are not worth comparing with the glory about to be revealed in us. 
For creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the children of God. For creation was subjected to futility, not of its own will, but of the will of the one who subjected it in hope. That the creation itself will be set free from the bondage to decay and will obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning in labor pains until now. And not only the creation, we ourselves... The first fruits of the Spirit. We groan inwardly while we wait for adoption, for the redemption of our bodies. For in hope we are saved. Now, hope that is seen is not hope for who hopes for what is seen, but we hope for what we do not see. We wait for it with patience. Does that sound like fear to you? 1 John 3. See what love the Father has given us, that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it didn't know Him. Beloved, we are God's children now. And we will be, what we will be has not yet been revealed. But what we do know is this, when He is revealed, we will be like Him. For we will see him as he is. And everyone who has this hope purifies themselves just as he is pure. Does that sound like fear to you? I know you've heard this one. Revelation 21. I saw a new heaven and a new earth. The first first heaven and the first earth had passed away. The sea was no more. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a voice from the throne, and it was saying, The dwelling place of God is with men. He will dwell with them. They will be his people. God himself will be with them. He will wipe every tear from their eye. Death will be no more. Mourning and crying and pain will be no more. The first things have passed away. And the one who is seated on the throne said, See, I am making all things new. Does that sound like fear to you? Here's what I want you to hear. When those angels told the apostles, he's coming again. He was giving them a mission and filling it with courage and sending them with the Spirit of God and giving them hope. And it's time that the church start talking about the coming of Jesus from a position of hope. Here's what they're saying. Jesus is coming back. And when he does, there's going to be a reunion of all the faithful who has died in Christ before. I am sick of funerals. I am sick of hospice. And Paul says, but when he comes back, you don't have to worry about that. Paul says our bodies, when Jesus comes back, 
Our bodies are going to be redeemed. We're going to be given bodies that, that don't decay. You ever get sick of your body? You ever get sick of hearing doctors say things like cancer and Alzheimer's and lupus and COVID? And Paul says, but when Jesus comes back, because he is coming back, when Jesus comes back, our bodies are going to be redeemed. You ever get tired of seeing injustice and hatred, racism, people mistreating other people because they don't have enough money, they don't have enough education, they don't vote for the right person? Are anybody else sick of that? Scripture says, but when Jesus comes, that'll no longer be an issue. You ever wanted to see Jesus with your own eyes? John says, when he comes, you will see him as he is. That's why I think the early church was so impassioned about the ministry they had been sent to do. Because that angel said he's coming back. And I just worry sometimes for myself, for Wilshire, that sometimes we forget that. We make a lot of plans. What about the year after this, or five years down the road? And there's nothing wrong with plans. But what if Jesus decides to come back? I think that makes a lot of sense to a lot of the things the church did. Why every Sunday when they pass communion, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 11, we take this until he comes. Because he's coming. I think that's why you would often hear a prayer like the one uttered at the end of 1 Corinthians, Maranatha, Lord, come. And I think it's why John, James, the brother of Jesus, had to write these words to the church because they were so excited and hopeful and longing for the coming of the Lord when all of these promises are kept. John says, John chapter 5, be patient, beloved. Be patient until the coming of the Lord. The farmer waits for the precious crop from the earth, being patient with it until it receives the early and late rain. You must be patient, strengthen your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is near. He's coming. That's the story. Whatever, whenever you get tired and ready to give up this week, remember, He's coming. Whenever you get discouraged because of the brokenness around you, I want you to remember this week. He's coming. Let's pray. Father, we are grateful for the hope with those words that Jesus is coming back. And Father, we pray for anyone who is frightened by those words that they will 
accept your grace. They will accept the gift of forgiveness offered in Jesus through a rebirth in you. But Father, we who are in Christ sincerely long for Jesus' return. When all things will be made new, all the brokenness will be fixed, and your glory will cover the earth. Help us to hold on to that until he comes. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So in the name of Jesus Christ, with the hope and promise of his coming, we offer the invitation of Jesus to anyone who needs to be ready for that wonderful day. We can baptize you into Christ where, where Paul says you are raised so that one day you can be raised again. We offer you that invitation together as a church while we stand and sing today.